0: Hello again, all my fabulous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast. We're here to chat about sex, sexuality, and the body. As always, I'm your host Dr. Caroline West, and I'm delighted to be part of the Twirlish Chat network where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, trans rights, and of course, sex. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash shack as it really does help to keep the mics on or if you feel like it, please pop over to Apple and rate and review. If you want to get in touch, you can DM me at Glow West podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So today we are talking about something that I think is actually really, really common in Ireland, but because we have been Irish about it and we're not great at talking about things sometimes, but my guest today is shining a very much needed spotlight on this issue. And that is, of course, the issue of stalking. So today I'm talking to Eve McDowell and back in 2019, she became a victim of intense stalking. The situation escalated morbidly and throughout the whole ordeal, she felt rather clueless and vulnerable. She was shocked to discover that there is no specific stalking law in Ireland and she could find very little information or relevant advice online. What she has learned in the last two years is that stalking is a much more common issue than people realise and we want to make a difference by supporting other victims, raising awareness and educating people about the issue of stalking. And she is the founder of Stalking Ireland. Eve, thanks Emil, for chatting to me today. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm good. Thanks. And you? Fab, fab, fab. I, I think I'm, I'm really delighted to see this campaign. I'm not delighted so that there's a need for it. But, you know, I, I think it's definitely something that we just really didn't think about or really kind of have that willingness to address it and recognise it for the massive issue um, that it is in Ireland for the longest time. So can you talk us through why you set up this campaign for Stalking Ireland?
1: So back in 2019, um, I started having issues with this guy. I had maybe thought back the year or two previous that there might have been something up, but I suppose it really did start escalating properly in 2019. And um, so it just started off as him coming into the shop that I worked in a lot, buying a lot of clothes from there, and um, little things like that. And uh, then he went off the radar for a few months. Um, And, you know, I didn't know him too well personally. We had kind of mutual friends, mutual friends. And the odd time we would have ended up in the same social situations because I had, you know, met him when I was back in college. We were in the same college accommodation. But, yeah, then um, he just started walking past the shop that I was working in and looking in and, um, you know, not really saying hello or anything, which I found strange. He was always socially awkward a bit anyways. So just put it down to that. And then I suppose it really started to get concerned. There was one day um, I was in work at about half nine, seen him outside looking in and then he walked off and I noted it to my manager at the time. I said, that's a bit strange. Um, he's been acting a bit strange recently. Have you noticed him coming in? And she said, no, he hasn't been coming in. He's just been walking past. Um, and then I, I went for my lunch at about 12 o'clock. The place where I went for lunch, I was telling my friend about seeing him earlier on this morning and then... Lo and behold, he popped up outside the shop I was getting lunch in. He was outside the window. Uh, then I went to Air Square. And I was eating my lunch there, and I seen him again. Um, thought it was strange at the same time. Thought it was coincidence. Always small. You bump into people a lot. Then I yeah went back to work. Again, said it to a few of the staff members. Um, at about four o'clock, one of my friends called in, and she said... Um, you know, Igor is sitting outside the shop on that bench there And looking in And this was at four o'clock So I was like, that is strange He's been around since half nine You know, everyone reassured me oh, it's probably coincidence it's Probably just hanging around Probably waiting for someone Then I went to the pub I finished up at about six Went to the pub after work Was telling another one of my friends about it And then she, a few minutes later She was like, look, there he is And um, spotted him And he just ran out when we seen him Now actually a couple of months later I ended up having to go back to that pub and get um you know ask them to download the CCTV footage for the guards and the bar manager had said to me we actually did notice him acting strange we asked him what he was doing in there and he said that he was there with his girlfriend and he pointed over at me which obviously I had no idea. That's
0: gonna feel very creepy.
1: Yeah very very creepy and um then anyway, after that, yeah, I just said I didn't feel comfortable being in that pub anymore. So we moved to a different pub and met a few more friends. And I said, look, can we sit at a window seat just so I can keep an eye? And then he just he was walking up and down again. And after that, we went to McDonald's. Um, and I knew he was making a joke about it at that stage. I was like, watch now. any he bets he'll pop up outside here. And he did. And at that point, uh, me and another one of my friends went to confront him. So we started walking up shop street and he went down a side alley and I was just a bit unsure of whether to go down or not. And she went down and we thought that he was gone, but she screamed then he was like hidden down. He's crouched down behind a car um, and she was like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you following Eve? And he just got up and went like Shh, and ran away laughing and at that point, I was like, you're not doing a very good job at hiding. I can spot you a mile away with that beard. I kind of like, shod, thinking it would kind of stop after that, then that he knew yeah, that he I knew. Yeah, he was trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, I got my two friends to walk me home and he showed up again on the walk home. And I was like, right, that's strange. So we hung out outside my estate for quite a while to see if we could see him because I didn't want him to know where my exact address was. Now, he probably did know exactly where my address was at the stage um I just hadn't noticed like I said before it's not the times you know the times that I knew about are really terrifying but it's the times that I didn't know about that are almost more terrifying so a couple of days later I had stayed at a friend's house in the estate beside my estate I was walking back here that morning and um, got in at like quarter to nine put on the kettle came back in I had locked the front door which we usually We always locked it in the nighttime, but during the day we might have kept it open, you know, coming and going, never really felt the need to have it locked all the time. But at this point, I, you know, just started thinking, okay, maybe we need to up the security a bit here just in case. Um, And then I seen a figure standing at the frosted glass at the side of the door and the door handle tried to open and I just froze. But then the doorbell rang, so I thought, okay, maybe it's a postman or something. So I got the keys off the radiator just beside the door, opened the door and there was no one there. And there was um, steps up to our front door, like about 14, 15 steps. So I just thought, right, that's strange. Like what's going on? And I texted my house group chat. I said, guys, is anyone expecting a parcel or was anyone expecting someone? You know, if it was at night, you could nearly put it into knickknockers or whatever. But the fact it was so early in the morning, I was like, this is bizarre. So, uh, my housemate came down and she, we were talking about it in my room. And I said I had some concerns about this guy. And then she just started screaming and like fell back onto my bed. And she was like, Who is that? And we looked out my window and down in the bushes. Um, he was there with his beard shaved off, his hair shaved off, and his eyebrows shaved off, just there in the bushes. Oh my so, God. I, I, yeah.
0: I, that must have been terrifying.
1: Literally, like something from a horror film. At that point, I knew I was in trouble because I knew the how unpredictable he was.
0: Yeah, and he's taken just, steps to you know change his appearance and and things like that yeah, as well, trying so. to
1: disguise himself and stuff. Yeah. God. Um. At that point, I knew I was in big trouble. So um, I rang the guards. Then uh, looking back, you know, I probably should have rang them a lot sooner. But when you don't have any experience with anything like this or hear of anything like this, you just Of course, never think that that's going to happen, yeah. Um, so then yeah, they came and they said, Look, we'll have a chat with him. So they did, and then they said, Look, we've talked to him, but um, you know, just don't walk anywhere on your own, don't go anywhere on your own, don't stay on your own at night. So I was like, Right, okay, at that point, I knew something bad was going to happen or some before something could be done, and so I went home for a while back to Sligo uh for a week or so just to try and get away and that's when I suppose I noticed how much it had started affecting me psychologically like even going for a walk at home I'd be looking over my shoulder and didn't feel safe in the house at home you start thinking god what if they're going to show up here you really just don't you know you, you lose your senses a little bit um and Absolutely. so then
0: and that like you're kind of feeling that in your bones almost you know it's like in in your body it's like you're on edge all the time waiting yeah, for yeah
1: that's it you're on high alert so you know your nervous system is shot and you're just you know um una the other friend of stock ireland as well who went through a similar experience she said she gave the example of um you know like a deer that's looking out for a lion or something you know you're just always on that high alert um so yeah then I was home for a while and then I came back got one of my friends to meet me off the bus and he walked me home and stayed with me until my ex at the time finished work and then my ex came and collected me and and we went into town and get food even at that stage I was like look I don't want to take the usual route into town can we go can we take a detour so we're walking through the NUIG campus and took my hand and was like keep walking keep walking don't look don't look and of course I looked and he was there he just stood up and that's when I seen him again with the beard and the eyebrows and the hair gone which was terrifying because I know I had seen it already but I start questioning whether he, that was actually what you seen it was like a fever dream really Um. so yeah that confirmed it and we went into town and my ex tried to reassure me he was like look we could have just bumped into him he wasn't near the house he wasn't near your workplace but um as we were walking back into the estate then i seen him in the bushes of the house uh, opposite my house where he'd have like a direct eye line into my bedroom window still from there so um went inside rang the guards they came and at that point they took statements um of me my ex my housemate, and my friend that had seen him outside the shop that day and then yeah just that night couldn't sleep at all um knew something just felt like a sitting duck at that point, knew something was gonna happen. I uh, kept thinking I can hear could hear footsteps on the steps outside and everything. Now my housemate um had forgotten her keys at her home house. So she and we were all locking her at the front door and our bedrooms at this stage. So she's locked out of her bedroom. So she slept on the couch. And at about quarter to seven, 10 to seven, it was starting to get bright. So I was got the confidence to go up and go to the bathroom because I was too scared to even go in the dark on my own. Um, And then I came back into the room and me waking up, or me being up, woke her up. Um, and she was really warm. So she just opened the balcony door for some a little bit of air. And as she was drifting off to sleep, she heard the floorboards creaking and she looked up. And she seen him. He was um halfway across the sitting room at that point. And she started screaming, oh my God, it's him. It's him. Get out. Get out. And uh, he ran towards her with the hammer, a claw hammer, and um, struck her a couple of times with it. She managed to put her hands up and defend her head. And he dropped the claw hammer then. And um, he jumped off the balcony and she went and locked the door. And um,
0: Oh, my God. went
1: into us with the hammer. So the guards found him crawling up the road behind our estate. Um, and they found a knife and a packet of Viagra at the bottom of the balcony. Oh, but she still denies were his. But, you um,
0: know, well, it's not randomly going to be there on the balcony exactly. by itself. Yeah. No. Oh, no. my God. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. I'm getting chills just listening to you. of This sheer terror of that. Oh, my God. It was
1: absolutely insane. And I didn't really know what was going on at the time. I remember like doing a little bit of research and stalking, but there was no Irish websites about it and uh, no information, no supports. And um, anything I did find, it seemed to be like about ex-partners and it is very common with ex-partners as well. But, you know, um, I couldn't find anything that related to my situation. I just remember looking for ages and not knowing where to go and not really knowing or understanding what was happening um and like i mean the whole court process was awful he kept appealing for bail and like having to go and had to go to the high court i actually didn't find out about the viagra until the high court because um i don't know i was just never told so it's just it's an awful process for victims to have to go through
0: it's like a re-traumatization almost again completely yeah wow yeah definitely and
1: having to see him
0: how long did that court process actually go on for then
1: uh, just over a year.
0: God, that's quite long as well to just be living in that kind of limbo state, especially if he keeps trying to get out then as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Because you, you keep thinking, like, what if he gets out? What if he, yeah, what if he actually gets out this time, having to take time off work um, because around court cases and stuff. And I'd get really, really anxious around court cases with the thoughts of, you know, yeah, of course. him actually possibly getting out. And um, luckily, he never was granted bail, though. Um, that worked on my side and um, yeah he was sentenced to two sentences uh, I think it was aggravated bur- burglary and assault f- five years and seven years two suspended and they're consecutive but to summarise it he was put into custody on the 27th of May 2019 and his approximate release date is the 23rd of March 2023 so that's less than two years from now
0: and it's it's nothing to do like with robbery and burglary like that was not the plan at all and and so yeah. therefore you can see how the law is just completely inadequate and nobody brings Viagra to a robbery like yeah now
1: because there was no forensic evidence on the knife of the Viagra it couldn't be used in the charges and because he denied that they were his um, which is angry really
0: yeah that's one of those, those kind of stupid loopholes that you're looking at an outsider going yeah clearly they are his you know like they're not just hanging out on your balcony for no reason like
1: yeah I remember because I had no background of law beforehand so I was so frustrated with so many things through the whole process but after he was sentenced I did you know I tried to move on with things um tried to put it to the back of my mind tried to kind of recover and you know still am recovering from it but um yeah then only a few months ago I heard about Una Ring's case in Cork and I just couldn't believe that it had happened again to someone and that there were so many similarities but also quite a few differences in it but immediately I was like I want to get in contact with this woman like I need to just talk to her about the experiences and i know what she's probably going through right now and i want her to know that like it, you know won't always be like this and you know just even just to share experiences because i had great friends around me at the time and still do but no matter what you tell them they'll never actually understand what yeah and what they're not like.
0: trained professionals as, as no. well to, to deal with that aspect of it and like you said yeah if they haven't been through it themselves they're never going to mm-hmm. fully know but yeah she's so, yeah. so you teamed up together then. I'm, I'm sure that must have been quite a relief to just be able to vent to each other and 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 to kind of share your cases with each other, with someone who actually is going to understand you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I think it was just a week after, about a week after her, I was sentenced that we um, got in contact and we both agreed that we knew that something needed to be done and that we would want to help other victims. Weren't really sure about how we were going to get there. Um, it nearly happened by chance the whole thing Um, I was speaking to the head of the Irish prison service to sign up for this service that like allows victims to get the approximate release date for the perpetrators and you know it'll notify me if he gets out for any if he needs to go to the hospital for a day and stuff like that because I wasn't told of that service the whole way through it was unit that told me about it so um just as well as she did so um yeah um and i was kind of giving off to the <laughs> the head of the ips i suppose saying look um you know it's really not fair on victims and so much that needs to be done it's ridiculous there's no law specifically for this and he said oh i know a woman that might be of use to hurt you um her name is Ruth Maxwell so Ruth was attacked back in 2016 she was walking to work and someone tried to slit her throat with a knife and she managed to fight them off um and she's just been doing huge work with victim advocacy since that um so I you know spoke got in contact with Ruth and we got on really well and I told her my situation and just talked a little bit how it was handled the whole way through um and you know about how there was very little supports and stuff like that and she put me in contact with uh, Mary Curley, the head of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork, and Declan Daly the Chief Superintendent, Head of Protective Services and a couple of other people like the Law Reform Commission and stuff and yeah, it just from there um, me and I have been working with the Sexual Violence Centre, nearly. we're in contact nearly every day and we've started yeah the website www.stalking.ie which has a lot of information for victims and um, for people that think they might be being stalked for people who know someone that's being stalked, what to say, what not to say, you know, what to do, because that, that wasn't there for us when we needed it. So, um, you and know, that was such our- an
0: important thing as well. Like you're saying, there's American websites and British websites and stuff, but the, the advice they have is obviously specific to that context and that laws and legislation in those areas. And Irish law just, is not the same at all I think um the 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 laws before this were like well it's just under harassment and even that those laws were completely inadequate what's you know and and maybe domestic violence laws but like you're saying your case wouldn't come under that but while we do recognize that quite a lot I think is a over half of victims of stalking it is a um an ex-partner that they they would know but um like in your case though that's that's obviously not going to be the same and dealt with in those kind of cases
1: no, so. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but um, then I suppose the next thing was the petition, which we only started a few weeks ago. We have nearly 800 or er, sorry, 8,000 signatures now, which is great, but we really do want to keep trying to boost that. Um, that really so. shows
0: you like 8,000 in a couple of weeks really shows you. There's probably just so many more victims out there, and and from stalking of all different kinds, from ex colleagues, from strangers, from partners, from family, you know, from friends, ex friends, all that kind of thing. Like, I just don't think what we recognise that the scale of this in Ireland, like eight thousand in a few weeks, is like there's a lot of victims included in that, in those signatures. Yes, yeah,
1: definitely. Like the messages I've been getting it on, like. You know, we have our email addresses linked to the page. We've gotten a lot of queries and stuff on that, not just from women, from some men as well. Um, Even my personal Instagram, I have people that I know messaging me saying that, you know, they've had similar situations. They're actually going through this at the minute. Um, What the Minister for Justice is saying is that the harassment laws were updated ever since um, me and Una's case. Stalkers were convicted and that they might have got longer sentences under this and that it should be suffice. And if it's not working, they'll have a look at it. But it's obviously not working because it doesn't seem like the guards have the power to intervene in the early stages as much as they need to.
0: Um and that's where it's crucial because for some people they might just think oh it's just someone following you it's not that big a deal but it is like you're saying like the mental health impact on it as well but I know um there's some international research as well that shows over half of um female victims who ended up murdered by men um reported stalking to the police before they were before they were murdered so that's really showing you that it has that very realistic potential and obviously in your case you know it, there was a re- massive potential for extreme violence there you know but like half of victims and yet we're still not taking that seriously
1: yeah and like think of all the women that didn't report it because they you know weren't sure how, because it's so daunting like it really is daunting to actually set foot into a guard station and to, it's a very cold environment it's the same it's similar for women that experience sexual assault or rape and stuff, you know, making the steps to go and report it can be difficult. And, Absolutely. you
0: know, yeah. And if you're if you're facing then a police officer who doesn't know what you're talking about or it maybe is unsympathetic, I think that's really yes, yeah, so we need to have like that you know support and training coming into this also as well because and like you said you know it it, it's it's predominantly women that will experience i think the u.s research is saying that one in six women experience stalking but also one in 17 men Um, and i don't have the stats for trans people or or non-binary people but they're all way too high that that really kind of shows you just how really common this is so if you're you know experiencing that and then you're going for support services that can't support you that that's such a traumatizing experience in itself
1: yeah it is and like I literally just said last week once I got my new email address set up and all the emails started coming through I said that me and Una were the tip of the iceberg with this like I was overwhelmed initially it took me a day to even read all of them um because it's heartbreaking how common this is and how prevalent it is and no one was talking about it like now the conversations have started but they've started much too late but this is why we need to bring this legislation in now you know we do need to get we need to get it in before anyone else has to experience what me and una did
0: and do you feel that like any politicians and stuff are they taking you seriously or are they trying to fob you off and say look we have coco's law now which is you know all about online harassment but that's just not going to be quite specific enough for stalking as such
1: no, like there's been flip sides we have some people that are really, really supportive and are in agreement with us, but the general response we've gotten is that the harassment laws would include behaviors associated with stalking, but I just don't think that that validates victims' experiences to start, and I don't think the sentencing um is long enough like we we need longer sentences. I have less than two years to decide. <laughs> what am I going to do to protect myself like do I have to go incognito or MIA and try and hide away for the rest of my life um and that, you know that's no... why it's,
0: it's not a simple robbery you know the robber isn't generally <laughs> going to come back and, and harass you then again you know this it's a very specific incident
1: yeah it is it is
0: oh, yeah god it just like it frustrates me of like the legislation isn't there but then the support services aren't there, but then you still have to carry this, you know, for such a long time. Is it, Like, are there even dedicated support services out there or is it just you kind of get lumped in with maybe Rape Crisis Centre or General Counselling Service?
1: Yeah, that's it. Like, it's the Sexual Violence Centre who have helped us with this whole campaign and they have been the wind behind their wings for this. Um, And, you know, uh, Mary Curley even said to me, just out of interest, can I ask why you never thought of contacting us. And I just, I don't know why it never crossed my mind because on this occasion that I wasn't physically sexually assaulted. And I just didn't think that I would have fit into the criteria to, you know, avail of these services. But centers like this are very open to all sorts of victims. Like they are really supportive, but it would be great if we had one that specifically focused on victims or survivors of stalking
0: absolutely and like you said you know you know maybe if it was an ex-partner there's support through refugees or domestic violence helplines which are 24 7 around the country but in your case that wouldn't quite be the appropriate service for you there
1: no just i think as well when you're in that situation and you go googling because that's what everyone does now you just google like what to do or where to go um and you know, not being able to find anything that seems to be relevant to your situation at the time, it does, you know, knock you back a little bit and it makes you confuse. Again, it kind of like minimizes what's happening. Not true any, you know, it's not anyone's fault and there's no one to blame. It just hasn't it hasn't got to happen yet, I don't think. Like in Scotland, they've set up the Action Against Stalking Centre there recently. Um, and I'd love to get in contact with them and see what they're doing, because th- there's absolutely a need for it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, again, while things are different in different cultures, they will have those similar ap- approaches to it as well. So mm-hmm. so going forward then, so you have um, the petition on the way. You have a webinar on the 6th of May. Talk to us a bit about the aim of that and what topics you'll cover on that one.
1: So the webinar I suppose is to just educate people a little bit more on the issues of stalking and I'll be speaking and I know will be speaking as well just to say like look this is what has happened to us and um, talk about our experiences we've already done the Late Late Show and done loads of radio shows and a few podcasts over the last few weeks but um, I do think our own webinar would be great just to you know have some speakers on and Cover all aspects of it. So we'll be talking about our experiences and why we've set up Stalking Ireland. Um, then Mary Crilly from the Sexual Violence Centre, she will be talking a little bit about you know what needs to be done, how people can help, stuff like that. Then we'll have Declan Daly, the Chief um, Superintendent from the Protective Services. He, you know, will be and kind of letting people know what steps that they should take to protect themselves, you know, um if you think that this is happening to you, what to do before you go into the conversation station prepare yourself for, you know, um bits like that. Then we'll have Rebecca Cohen from the Law Reform Commission, who will be backing us saying that yeah, there is um there is a need for this. And um we have another speaker as well then from the Sexual Violence Center who'll probably be doing something similar to Mary. So yeah, all the puzzle pieces should come together.
0: Yeah, but well, it really shows, like, like you're saying, we're not great at talking about this kind of stuff historically in Ireland. We're not great about talking about domestic violence or sexual violence or or things like this. So a lot of people probably don't even have the language to understand what what stalking is or what what is actually going on. And like yourself, you know, you said at the start, always a small town. You probably could bump into someone multiple times in a day. And there's a lot of small places in Ireland as well where you, you could probably legitimately do that. So you'd almost kind of miss a lot of the signs because you're just and and you don't want to think about either you don't want to go oh I'm being stalked you know you just kind of rationalize things away like you were saying oh it's just coincidence and stuff so like if if someone thinks this may be happening to them what's the signs that they they kind of need to be looking out for um and when to start taking action on this
1: so there's like, you know, there's different types of stalking. You have cyber stalking or you get like people that get lots of messages in. Um I didn't get that in my case, which really made it more difficult to pinpoint what was happening. But um I'd say to people, you know, the temptation's there to block whoever's doing it straight away. But I'd say before you do that, make sure you have your evidence, like take screenshots, have the messages printed out, if there's call logs, anything. Um, you know, if there's random letters coming in through the door maybe trying not to be touching them all the time like hold on to them just in case keep them safe in case you need them as evidence um one that i wish i started doing was keeping an incident log so you know if you think that you might bump into them or if you think that they're lingering outside your workplace or if you think you've that you're being followed home just write down the date the time and what that person was wearing um And, you know, just because there was there was a couple more incidents where I couldn't actually trace the dates and the times and stuff like that. And when you're making the statement in in a court of law, if you don't have these specific details, then it just it doesn't count as evidence basically which is frustrating
0: (laughs) very problematic in in, in itself, for sure yeah and maybe making a note then of any witnesses that were around and that that would be happy to talk as well to corroborate. because like you're saying you were out with your friends or your ex and stuff like that as well
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so they were all willing to um, make statements and um you know they were more than happy to help with things like that but I mean I gave such a long list of people that were willing to give statements to the guards and it just didn't happen I think they only took four statements all in all whereas there was a lot more people that were willing to and I just remember being so frustrated because I have another friend who had an incident with my stalker before where he held a knife up to her throat and she was willing to make a statement and it was just never followed up and I had felt that it would have helped my case but you know I was just explained that the gar- why the guys did things the way that they did and it was just to get him locked up as fast as they can and to keep him um, keep him in at the time but I don't know I do feel like if my case was looked at better that he could have maybe got longer yeah. um, I don't know things there, like, like
0: you're saying there may be other victims out there or there may be a pattern out there
1: yeah, yeah, this. which is yeah. There could have easily have been because of, with, I've been doing a lot of research on it, and a lot of stalkers will be stalking multiple people at one time. Um, it's just crazy. Yeah.
0: It is. Did he? Did you ever hear anything about his motivations? Did he give any statements in court? In court about why he was in, engaging in this behavior?
1: Um, he said he broke in to take two hundred euro off me, but like. I don't know. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't carry cash even anymore. So I think that was a, just an excuse. And um, there was rumours going around that he had fancied me um, and stuff like that. But I just kind of ignored them. Um. Yeah, because, yes, yeah, so, so, I think the end, I I wasn't in college at this stage. I was working full time, but um, the engineering ball was coming up and he's doing engineering and a few people, said to me that like he had text them or asked them um, saying like, Oh, do you think Eve would go to the engineering ball with me? And they just responded being like, Oh, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, and, but he, he never, never
0: did ask. ask he himself. never did
1: ask. No, no, he didn't, which was strange. Now there was another girl that he had asked in first year of college. And when she declined, he wrote her a very aggressive letter and after unsigned through the door um. She had never held on to what kept it, but I remember speaking to her about it, and that really terrified her.
0: You're seeing that pattern there of of this long term behaviour that's there, and unfortunately, you were in the peak of when he was unhinged enough to to be acting yeah. like this.
1: And I think as Irish people as well, we tend to minimise things to nearly re- reassure ourselves and reassure other people, like you know, my friends without meaning to obviously trying to reassure me being like, ah, don't worry, he's not capable of anything. It's not like he's going to actually do something. And that doesn't come from badness at all. That's just just what we um, do. That's that's (laughs) what we do with a lot of things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I do think
1: it's time we start taking it more seriously.
0: Absolutely. For the for the impact on the victim and for the for the commonness of, you know, how frequent this happens in our society to all genders as well. You know, that's really important to bring into it. But um, I'm really glad that you're doing that work. So the, for, for the webinar on um, the 6th of May, where can people find out how to come along to that? It, it's free for everybody. It's online.
1: Yeah, it's free. So if you go on to www.stalking.ie, um, there's a registration right there. You literally just put in your first name, surname, email address, and that's that's it. Then you'll get a confirmation email. Or else um, we have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. You can access it through our bios on that either.
0: Perfect. And your Twitter is stalking underscore, it's stalking underscore IE. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. And your Instagram account?
1: is the same, stalking the same. underscore IE. Brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah no, i absolutely urge people to check it out. Because like you said, even if it doesn't happen to you, maybe you might know someone it's, that it's happening to. So maybe you can learn about how to support them. And, you know, we've mm-hmm. talked on the podcast before about supporting friends who are disclosing sexual violence. But, you know, maybe someone's going to disclose stalking. So how can we support them with that and give point them in the right direction so i'm glad that your website is out there like providing that that resource and help for people so um with the legislation moves what's next um in that category you have to submit the petition first am i am i right
1: yeah we're waiting to like there's so much going on in the background at the minute um our, actually what we we're going to do first was a survey. So, you know, we still want to do that to gather some national data because there is no national data for stalking. So it would be great to get some figures
0: yeah, absolutely. on that to back
1: us up because the Minister for Justice is just after having a baby. So she'll be going on maternity leave. So I'm not sure whether something would be able to get past when you know when she is, um, which gives us time to work on other things in the background. Now, you know, a senator has contacted us contacted us with the proposed draft bill which we want to take a look at um there's been council members you know county council's getting on to us it does seem to have a lot of support but i I think the big challenge is just making people realize that stalking isn't shouldn't be defined by harassment harassment is a stage of stalking um just just making people realize that why it needs to be educating people and why it needs to be a standalone crime
0: absolutely it, this isn't something we speak about in schools or in the news enough and everything else like that so i think yeah absolutely the work that you're doing to educate is fantastic and Sorely needed, unfortunately. So, but that's mm-hmm. fab. But look, uh, yeah, I direct all the listeners over to your website to check it out because it's a very easy, accessible, you know, website's not full of jargon and stuff like that. It's easy to. Yeah, because we found everything.
1: that as well with um, websites in other countries that they're very dark and cold. So we wanted it to be more welcoming and interactive and informative and a bit more light because the pictures of someone standing behind someone with the hood up and the shadows and stuff that can, terrifying yeah you don't go on that. And, no no
0: no let's make it more comfortable for people when yeah. they're already in crisis and, and stuff. It. so happy days yeah. um Eve thanks Emil, for talking to me today I, I'm I'm so sorry you had to go through that experience and I'm so glad that you know you are taking that step to change because somebody needed to do it and unfortunately you were the right person to do it I wish you weren't but you know you you were definitely the right person to to change this in in our society so thank you for that and for making that difference thanks for having me um like i said to you know the listeners you know pop over to the website you know check it out if this doesn't happen to you it may be happening to a friend or a family member or a work colleague so if you can arm yourself that knowledge you'll be able to help someone when they need a bit of kindness and a bit of support so and come along to the webinar on the 6th of may as you've said you can find all those details on their website and their social media as well so thanks mo for listening and we'll chat to you next week